0: Hello, I'm Daniel. I am going to talk to you about Chapter 1 from Way of the Bodhisattva today. It's called Explaining the Benefits of Bodhicitta. And um, I'm using this version of Way of the Bodhisattva. It's called Entering the Way of the Bodhisattva. It's came out this year, and I really like it. And so I'm going to read from this chapter and then comment on it. So, first of all, I do want to talk about, though, what we're talking about when we say bodhisattva and when we say things like way of the bodhisattva. The way of the bodhisattva is the Buddhist path of compassion and wisdom and of realizing your own boundless potential. It comes from this thinking, this, this point of view that enlightenment or spiritual awakening or growth is our true nature and that we have a basic goodness and wakefulness that's fundamental to our being. So it's the opposite of, or it's a ref, sort of this, sort of the opposite of that, that view that human beings are bad. It's the opposite of that. It's that, no, our, our true nature is good. At our core, we are awake and we are where we need to be at our core, deep inside. So what we're doing on this spiritual journey is um, rather than trying to go anywhere or get anything, we're trying to sort of cut away the things that aren't working for us. We're trying to get through our neuroses, our anxieties, our negativity to the positivity that's underneath. That's what there is there at the core that is fundamental to us. And so we're going to talk about this so that, that, the word bodhisattva, that just means one who is striving for awakening. That's what it means. For awakening, for helping ourselves and helping others. We're trying to make the world a better place. That's what this is founded on. That's why I say it's founded on compassion. It's founded on wanting ourselves and others to suffer less than, than what is happening right now. Suffer less than what is happening right now. So that's what a bodhisattva is. It just means we're, we're trying, we care a lot and we're trying our best. That's what it means. And um, being of awakening, I think is the, the direct translation, being of awakening. And so I'm going to talk, define another word and that's bodhicitta and that is mind of awakening. And it's um, the quality that our diligence on this path is based on. It means mind of awakening. It's what helps us overcome the delusions that keep us from seeing our true nature. These delusions are things that we can overcome. They're impermanent like everything else, and they can obscure our minds, but we can overcome them. Bodhicitta is our tool for doing this, and that is what this chapter is about. So that is that quality, Bodhicitta, is what we're going to talk about. It's about overcoming our attachment to ourselves so we're not so selfish all the time so we're not making enemies out of everything all the time that is what it's really about we don't really we don't really cultivate the awakened state as something separate from ourselves or as something new we are trying to realize that we already have this basic goodness as part of our being it's always been there so activating this bodhicitta brings us greater vision and potential it brings us to become a being with boundless compassion for ourselves and others and that creates harmony in the world around us when we engage bodhicitta we stop being so afraid of and controlled by our own suffering we gain new levels of patience and diligence and we also develop a kind of bravery people use the term spiritual warrior and that's just, we're willing to face the suffering of the world, and we're willing to face our flaws, too, because we all have weaknesses, and we're willing to face those and be honest about those instead of pretending those aren't, aren't an aspect of ourselves. So, um, that was an introduction. But now I'm going to read, so I'm going to read this chapter called Explaining the Benefits of Bodhicitta, and I'm going to comment on it as I go through. Okay, okay. And again, this um, this teaching was spoken by a monk named Shantideva. He, um, the other monks in the temple with him, tried to set him up to fail. They thought he couldn't possibly give a teaching. They were sort of bullying him, and they so they set him up to give this teaching for hundreds of people thinking that he would fail and he would run away because they did not like him. And as it turns out, he gave an incredible teaching. And after that, they all really wanted to learn from him, but he left. So that's the background of this. But explaining the benefits of bodhicitta. <clears throat> I prostrate to all Buddhas and bodhisattvas. I prostrate with prostrate with respect to the Shugatas who have the Dharmakaya and their offspring, and also to all worthy of veneration. I'll teach in brief, according to the scriptures, the way to enter the bodhisattva vows. So, prostrating. Um, that is just, he's honoring, essentially, he's honoring the teachers, verbally honoring the teachers that have come before. That That's what that is. Let's not make that more than it is. He's honoring, he's saying, this, I'm standing on the shoulders of other wiser teachers. I won't say anything not said before, nor have I any skill in poetry, thus I have not intended this for others, I have written it to cultivate my own mind." So that's just, he's expressing, I'm humble, right? He's expressing, I'm humble, I'm doing the... He was made to do this, and again, maybe he did really write it just for himself, but as it turns out, it means a lot to all of us. But. He's expressing humility at the beginning, which is a very common thing in texts like these. He's saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy. This isn't that special. And then he goes on to give a very special teaching. Meanwhile, this will increase the power of my faith so that I cultivate the virtues. If someone else whose fortune equals mine should see it, then it may be meaningful. So he's saying, I'm not expecting this to mean anything to anyone unless they're sort of at the same level as me. I've gained what is most difficult to get, the leisures and resources to benefit beings. If I do not accomplish good while here, how will I ever come to them again? So sometimes in Buddhism, we talk about this concept called the precious human life and that is just to say we are lucky to be in this situation why are we wasting it we're lucky to be in this situation why are we wasting it so for example we could think of um we could have been born at any other time in history and we wouldn't have access to things to help us better ourselves right we may not have access to things to help us better ourselves so it's very significant that we were born In this time and place Um, and there's a good chance everyone watching this was was born in a reasonably wealthy country right we all could have been born in an incredibly poor country where it's hard to get food and it's hard to get water we're we're lucky to have been born where we were born we had no say in that right it just happened and that's an aspect of this too it's not only are you lucky to have a human life, but also you're lucky to be born in this time and place. And in the Buddhist context, we have access to almost all the Buddhist teachings from history and for most of history that was not the case, right? And even even 50 years ago, you know now somebody hears, oh, you're a Buddhist? That's kind of cool. Even 50 years ago, like people would think you're an alien if you say you're a Buddhist. So That's an aspect of this too. So uh, precious human life just means, man, we're lucky to be here. We got to make the most of it. And an aspect of making the most of it is lessening the suffering of ourselves and others. The truth is lessening the suffering of others helps us work on our own suffering, helps us work on ourselves and make ourselves better. So even from a selfish standpoint, just caring about others and helping them with their problems it does help us. Don't, don't think it's selfless. It's selfless in a way, but it does help us too. And making the world a better place makes the world a better place for everyone, including you, right? So that's an aspect of this too. So that's the, the teaching of the precious human life. It's just that we're lucky to be at this time and place in history, and we can reflect on that because the truth is if we were born 100 years ago, we'd have a much less pleasant life than we do. If we were born 200 years ago, still less pleasant, right? And there are plenty of places in the world where you could have been born that would be way worse than this too. So time and place are factors. We are lucky to be here and have this opportunity, so we should take it seriously and strive to make ourselves better and to make the world a better place. Because we can. Laziness will not do here. Just as between the clouds on pitch-black nights, lightning reveals the heavens for an instant, thoughts of the merits of the world arise for a rare moment through the Buddha's power. Thus, virtues are perpetually weak. The powers of misdeeds are terribly dreadful. Besides the wish for perfect enlightenment, what other virtue triumphs over them? So, um, virtues are perpetually weak. The power of misdeeds are terribly dreadful. What does that mean? So, I think it means, you know, if we we can be nice to a hundred people in one day, but if we lash out in anger at one person, that affects us more than all the good deeds, right? So, in that sense, we have to be very careful. It's the same. I sort of feel the same way about economics, and this is... Um, Maybe this is far afield from what we're talking about, but I think like If you fall behind on your bills, it takes it sometimes can take twice as long to get caught up as it should Whereas if you're ahead on your bills, you're just ahead on your bills But if you fall behind it can take twice as long to get caught up, you know what I mean? So that's sort of what it is too. Not that that's the same not that um, Getting behind on your bills is a misdeed, but it's sort of the same like It seems like it takes twice as much effort to overcome the bad thing as it does to just point to and exemplify the good thing, I think. The lords of sages who have contemplated for many eons see just this will help. Immeasurable multitudes of beings through this will gain the sublime bliss with ease. No one should ever forsake bodhicitta, who wants to dispel beings' unhappiness, vanquish the hundreds of miseries of existence, and partake in the many hundreds of joys. If they rouse bodhicitta in an instant, the wretched, fettered in suffering's prison, are named the offspring of sugatas, and revered in the worlds of gods and humans. So, um, Sugatas are uh, awakened beings. It's another term for awakened beings or Buddhas. Um, so, So, the text is sort of saying, if we resolve to help others, if we resolve to cultivate this mind of awakening, then we're sort of the offspring of Sugatas. We're joining what we call a lineage, which is something that is... Something that's talked about in Buddhism when it's just saying like you're part of something just from setting an intention to cultivate the mind of awakening you're part of something you're part of a community you're part of a history and everything that has come before on this path is part of you now just just from setting the intention we are all sons and daughters of Buddhas just from setting the intention to walk this path. Just setting the intention is is incredibly important. Just like the greatest kind of alchemy, it takes this unclean body and transforms it into a priceless jewel, a Buddha's body. So firmly grasp hold of Bodhicitta. Examined well by the sole leader of beings with this immeasurable mind, it has great value. So you who wish to leave the places of beings firmly grasp hold of precious bodhicitta. And so this, this is an introductory chapter and an aspect of this is it sure is talking about how great this text is. And we do have to keep that in mind. So some of this may seem like it's like, okay, yeah, but what is it? What is it? Well, this is an introductor- introductory chapter. And we're going to go on to some verses that just speak metaphorically and say, Cultivating Bodhicitta is like this. Cultivating Bodhicitta is like this. Okay, so stay with me. All other virtues, like banana trees, are spent once they have produced a result. The tree of Bodhicitta constantly bears fruit, thus thriving inexhaustibly. Like those who in great danger rely on heroes, why would the careful not rely on that which liberates them in a single instant? even if they have done horrendous wrongs. Like the inferno at an age's end, it burns up great misdeeds in a single instant. The wise protector Maitreya explained its countless benefits to Sudana. We don't need to talk about Maitreya and Sudana right now. Um, but the point is, this text is saying, Compassion is the center of practice. All you really need is compassion. It is so critical. Okay. So we get there by opening our hearts. We get there by caring about others and helping them. That is central to what we're talking about here. It's all love. It's all, all you need is love. Okay. To summarize, it's understood there are two types of bodhicitta, the mind aspiring for awakening and engagement in awakening. Just as they know the difference between the wish to go and going, the wise should understand the contrast between these two respectively. So now we're talking about there's two kinds of bodhicitta. There's two kinds of the mind of awakening and one is aspiring and that's just wishing good things for others having no bad feelings in your heart for other people and then the second one is engagement that is actually doing things so donating donating your time and energy helping others talking to people that need someone to talk to and listening these are actually doing things right wishing well on others is good but That engagement comes from actually doing things. Life's about showing up. So, even in samsara, samsara means the world of suffering, the ordinary world where we're carried around by our baggage and our neuroses, that's called samsara. Even in samsara, great results come from aspiring bodhicitta, though unlike engaged bodhicitta, the merit is not continuous. So, it's just saying, it's great that you're wishing well for others, that's a good thing, it's going to be way better if you actually get out and do things to help people. But from the moment when for the sake of freeing beings in infinite realms, you truly take up this intent with irreversible resolve. From that time on, the many powers of merit flow through unrem- for flow forth unremitting in torrents equal to the sky, even when you're asleep or careless. so, Helping people does a lot for you. A lot more than you think. We need to learn how to be less self centered. The, Tathag- the Tath- Tathagata, that's another name for the Buddha, I wish I just said the Buddha, himself explained this and its reasons for the sake of beings inclined to the foundation in the sutra requested by Subahu. that is a text and that's the same one that was referenced earlier it's a story about this guy who really wants spiritual teachings and he goes to a teacher named Maitreya and says hey give me spiritual teachings please help me find awakening and Maitreya tells him a story about a person who had pain in his head and was really suffering with pain in his head and this person um just put out into the world he just said I wish no one had pain in their and I'm saying I'm being careful to say pain in their head because it's not like a headache it's like he had a a wound like he was injured by something but he just put out into the world I wish no one had this kind of pain in their head okay he just put that into the world and he really meant it and we're saying that that is meaningful just really wishing for that is meaningful even if you don't do anything but man, is it better to do things, okay? If someone who benevolently, benevolently intends to merely eliminate sharp pains in sentient beings' heads possesses immeasurable merit, what need to speak of those who wish to rid all sentient beings of untold distresses and endow each one with boundless qualities? So, but so from that story, a person wished to relieve head pain from everyone and it's saying that's a very very good thing but how much better is it to wish for good things for everyone all good things all suffering to stop right who has such altruism altruism as this does even a father or a mother or do the gods or else the rishis do even brahmas harbor this If sentient beings themselves have never had such a wish as this before, even for their own sake in dreams, how could they have it for another? The wish to benefit beings that others have never had for their own sake, this special jewel of mind is born, a wonder without precedent. The cause of every wanderer's joy, the cure for being suffering. How could one take the measure of the, the merit of this precious mind? If merely intending to benefit is greater than revering the Buddha, what need to speak of striving for the sake of all beings happiness? So he's sort of saying in the text, hey, just wishing, just uh, wishing to help others is better than bowing to the Buddha. And that is maybe controversial to some people because plenty of people have Buddha statues they bow to and chant to and sort of revere and worship. And Shantideva is saying, well, yeah, that's that's good, but we should do things. We should try to help our communities. We should do things to help people. We should not get caught up in revering the Buddha all the time. We need to also use our feet and do things, right? Life's about showing up. They wish to cash, cast off suffering, but rush short suffering itself. They wish for happiness, but deluded crush their own pleasure like a foe. For those deprived of happiness who suffer many miseries, this satisfies with every pleasure and severs every suffering. So what, what, right? So I think many times in life we know what the best choices are and we just make the bad choices because we want to. And maybe we tell ourselves we didn't know what the best choice was. So we do things that propel us towards suffering, right? We get involved with the wrong person. We, um, or just a really simple example, you eat too much of a sweet food or a savory food and you your stomach hurts, right? We're trying to have pleasure and we're rushing towards suffering. That's exactly what that is. That's a microcosm for what we do in our lives. We get in the way of our own happiness because we're not thinking clearly and we're not making the best decisions that's why meditation is important it helps us think clearly helps us make see where we're fooling ourselves because we're fooling ourselves to, to uh make the wrong decisions at times it also will dispel delusion how could there be such good as this how could there be a friend like this How could there be such merit as this? If to reciprocate a kind deed is praiseworthy for a short while, what need to speak of bodhisattvas who do good unsolicited? People extol as doing something good to those who provide a few with regular meals, donating scornfully for a short time, plain food that satisfies for half a day. What need to speak of those who always give to beings of untold number for a long time, the sublime happiness of Shugatas fulfilling every one of their desires. Someone who rouses a malicious thought towards such a patron, offspring of the victors, victors is another word for enlightened beings, will dwell in hell as many eons as the count of their bad thoughts, the sage has said. I think that's um, metaphorical. I don't take that to be literal. Um. hell I see is more of a state of mind that state of mind where nothing satisfies you where you're really unhappy rather than like literally a place you're going to go but the results of someone feeling faith proliferate in far greater abundance with bodhisattvas even grave events don't bring misdeeds good naturally increases so even when things are going south even when life is falling apart we want to keep it together and still reflect on how to help others we still want to reflect on compassion being the central core of our lives and that's hard to do when you've had a bad day if you've ever had a bad day and i'm sure you have you can lash out at people very easily right you can have a bad day at work and get home and be mean to the kids or be short with the kids we're talking about learning how to not do that how to not do that how to not carry that baggage around and let it afflict ourselves and others This is the final verse of chapter one. I prostrate to the bodies of those in whom this jewel, the sublime attitude is born. Even harming them will lead to happiness. I go for refuge to the wellsprings of joy. So he's saying we are going to place our minds and hearts in compassion. And that is our refuge. That is our refuge. I, there's a story about a student who goes to his teacher and he says, Teacher, I'm feeling very discouraged. What should I do? And the teacher says, go encourage others. And that to me, I think of that often. That means so much to me. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. If you want others to be happy, practice compassion. Compassion and kindness. That is the center of this. Compassion and kindness. And our meditation practice brings us insight into our lives so we can see more clearly what the best choices are for ourselves and the world around us. And so we don't react all the time, but rather we can, we can think about how to respond to situations instead of just having that knee-jerk reaction where a thing happens and then I do my thing, right? That's sort of what we're talking about here too. So that has been chapter one of Entering the Way of the Bodhisattva and thank you for taking the time to listen to me um we're going to talk a whole lot more about bodhicitta later on it's just it's learning how to give without thinking about what you're going to get from it and without thinking about how good it feels to give but no just giving to give and that can be a very hard thing to do and it's not Bad to give so that you feel good about the giving and it's not even bad to give so that people see you giving But it's better to give and not care To give and not care, um We can get a lot done if we don't care who gets the credit That's a that's a fact of life. So this is about we're not cultivating compassion to make ourselves look cool to make ourselves seem nice to the people around us, to get credit, to make people like us. No, we're doing it for, our, for us and for the world around us to make the world a better place. That is what the Way of the Bodhisattva is about. It's about making the world a better place because it's better for others and it's better for us. So we're all working hard to open our hearts because that is what we need for ourselves and that is what the world needs for us. There is more happiness and well-being in having an open heart and that's hard to remember because we've all been kicked in the heart sometimes, we've all been hurt, we've all seen what happens if we open our hearts too much, it, we get hurt. And that's just the way of things. And we have to open our hearts and let ourselves be hurt. If we wanna maximize our well-being. If we wanna maximize our, hell be, our well-being. Sensitivity is thought it was a bad thing in the world today a lot of the time, and I think it's not. I think sensitive people are the happiest. I think sensitive people are the ones that help others the most and help themselves the most. And the world needs more sensitivity, not less. So that is it for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and have a good day.